0: Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. You're listening to episode number 78 and this is an episode of someone that I just purely wanted to talk to out of my own curiosity. Katie Langhammer, also known as Brooklyn NFT on TikTok, has been so knowledgeable and so helpful in sharing her whole process of minting and launching her first collection to selling out her first collection and really helps us kind of establish the baseline understanding of the possibility of selling NFTs as an artist in Web3. It's fascinating. If I know 0.001% of the iceberg, she knows 10 times the amount that I do. So it was a great conversation. We also had a funny little anecdote in the middle, which you guys will get a kick out of. And she's, Great. Truly great. This is one of those episodes where I'm like, man, I'm so thankful for the internet for bringing us together. And I'm also grateful that you guys get to be along for the ride and learn something as well. Don't forget, if you love this episode, share it, maybe send it to a friend or send it to a family member and say, no, these girls that I know that have a podcast are talking about selling NFTs. Like it is a real thing. I would just be tickled if you shared it with anyone today. So, enjoy the episode. I hope you learn a lot. Don't forget to rate and review, and um, we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Kiss my Branding, marketing, entrepreneurship.
0: You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. So enjoy the episode. Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic Podcast. I have an NFT artist on the pod. Welcome, Katie. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad that I connected with you on TikTok because I have been watching your page like a hawk because I'm so intrigued by everything you've got going on. And really, you're kind of peeling back the curtain on what it's like to be an artist in the NFT space. But for someone who doesn't know you and has no idea what we're even talking about, can you give us some context about who you are, what you do, and who you help?
1: Of course. So I'm Katie of Brooklyn NFTs. That is my TikTok account. I started content creating as well as diving into the NFT space all at the same time. So I was new to TikTok, new to NFTs. My first TikTok about NFTs I posted on December 2nd of 2021. So I'm still pretty new to the space. And like you said before, I really like to pull back the curtain and I'm taking people on a journey with me as I'm learning, and I'm trying to help make NFTs more approachable of, if you can watch this girl create NFTs from scratch on TikTok and sell NFTs, just about anyone can get into it. There are certainly different levels, which we'll talk about as we get deeper into the podcast, but that's a little bit about me and what I've been doing.
0: Absolutely. So if you've posted your first one, December 2021, when did you first hear about NFTs?
1: I started hearing about NFTs. I feel like the buzz about NFTs started happening maybe 2020. And I have a lot of New York guy friends. I mean, I'm based in Brooklyn, so I have a lot of friends in the finance and kind of hedge fund world. And NFTs and crypto has been a topic of conversation kind of that has popped up in these groups but I always let the conversation go over my head. And even just investing in crypto, I thought it was too complicated. And then NFTs, way more complicated. So I always was checking out of the conversation, not really participating or leaning in. And then I started to see some artists pop up on TikTok who were making their own NFTs. And when I saw other artists on TikTok, and on TikTok, you have these very small, snackable, easily digestible videos. I saw these artists doing it and getting into it. And I said to myself, and I kind of said to my roommate at the time, you know, I could, I could probably do this. I'm pretty artistic. And this actually doesn't seem hard. I mean, people love to joke that like, Oh, you're buying a JPEG. And I mean, actually I export as a PNG, but yeah, I'm selling PNGs on the internet. Yes. It is that there are, you know, complications and not complications, but it uh, gets a bit more in depth after, after that. But yeah, I kind of am selling JPEGs or PNGs on the internet.
0: Right. It's so easy for people to just shut down and say, I don't understand that and walk away. And when I tell you, when I've had this conversation with my friends who are like teachers, lawyers, social workers. They get so mad, (laughs) they get Mm -hmm. so pissed because they're like, what the hell is this stuff? I have no idea what you're talking about. This is too weird. And they just check out. So let's kind of take it back to the beginning, beginning, beginning lingo. So, and I can tell you from my understanding and you can tell me if I'm wrong. So to really understand what an NFT is, we have to understand what cryptocurrency is. And to understand cryptocurrency, we have to understand blockchain. Can you give us your best definition of blockchain?
1: Ooh, best definition of blockchain. This is actually a hard one for me, but blockchain is essentially decentralized technology. So when we're thinking about Web2 and all the applications that are built on Web2, we have Web2 developers who are building applications on Facebook, TikTok. Instagram, and those are all sites and platforms that we use that all of our data is traced. Um, We don't own any of our data. We don't own any little piece of the internet is what I like to say. That's our Instagram. That's not ours. Uh, We're posting content to it, but that's not ours. We don't own any of that there. So then blockchain gives ownership back to internet users. So it is funny to speak in Web 2 and Web 3 because we're never like, I'm going to go hang out on Web 2 and surf TikTok. Like, no one's saying they're hanging out on Web 2 and it's, oh, we're getting into Web 3. We're on the blockchain. It's kind of funny to talk about that because we're using applications that Web 2 developers you know are building in the Web 2 space that's not on blockchain technology. And now all of the applications are being built on blockchain technology in Web 3 and it's decentralized and we're going to have ownership. So NFTs... And crypto live on the blockchain. Um, I know we mentioned a little bit before the podcast started about smart contracts. And smart contracts are actually what append NFTs to the blockchain. So I made a little TikTok the other day of kind of saying like, okay, your smart contract or the token that's connected to the NFT, that's almost like your birth certificate Mm -hmm. to prove that you're here. Or maybe a social security number. It's a very individual contract that lets us know like we exist. This is our individual identity. And now that's kind of living on the blockchain through NFTs. I listened to Crypto
0: Witch do an interview where she explained it as blockchain is the railroad tracks and crypto smart contracts and NFTs are the train. So that's you awesome. can have crypto, you can have blockchain exist without crypto, without NFTs, without DAOs, without smart contracts, without any of that stuff. But you cannot have the trains can't exist without the tracks right mm-hmm. so otherwise they're just a car. it doesn't mean anything so to put the cars on the tracks the blockchain is the tracks the blockchain is yep. is this technology that tells us this is a one-of-one one original copy and that can be authenticated and basically anyone you can check anyone's work and know that that you know johnny sold something to sally because mm-hmm. that exists in a technology that doesn't belong to one entity yep okay so we Peer-to-peer got peer
1: technology.
0: Peer-to-peer yep. technology. Got it. Okay. So that's Web3 and, and blockchain. Now, mm-hmm. cryptocurrency, how is that on top? How has that become one of the trains on the tracks?
1: Oh, I actually don't know how cryptocurrency becomes okay. one of the trains on the tracks. Um, yeah. And I actually, I need to do better. And I need to do uh, better about building up my portfolio. My crypto portfolio is pretty much made up of my NFT sales. And sure. uh, a little bit else, but my main focus is NFTs. So yeah, I don't, I don't know how, oh, sorry to disappoint with that question. I think, no, that's okay. No, you're not.
0: And it's honestly, I'm asking these questions as practice for myself as well, to like better explain this in as simple terms as possible. And from my understanding, cryptocurrency is a way to decentralize banking, just like we're talking about decentralizing the social media world from Facebook, from Twitter, from Instagram and saying like, no, we all want to own a piece of this. Um, and we want to mm-hmm. be responsible for what we put on on this platform and, and be able to like cross check each other, checks and balances, which sounds like a great idea. Um, then the cryptocurrency of it is doing that, but on the banking side. So like allowing it so that the currency itself exists on this technology that we're talking about. NFTs is your sweet spot. This is where you're an expert. That's my sweet spot. Let's talk about NFTs. Tell us what NFT stands for and then how you use NFTs as a creative.
1: Yes, absolutely. And that was a good question. And also, I think goes to the point of you don't have to be an expert to get into NFTs
0: on all things Web3. It's so new. It's so so incredibly new. I keep telling everyone I know, like I know. 0.00001% 0.00001% of the tip of this iceberg. Oh, but, but like, same. All of us are like that. But it's huge. Like the potential it's is huge. huge. And I love, I call it a brain tickle. I love like the brain tickle <laughs> of trying to figure out like
1: every possibility of this scenario. But mm-hmm. continue. But- I will give you the floor. NFTs. Oh, yes. Back to NFTs. So NFTs are non-fungible tokens. And- I think every, not everyone, but that's pretty standard. People say, okay, great. I get it. An NFT is a non-fungible token, but when you break it down, what's the non-fungible and what's the token aspect of it? And day-to-day, we are making non-fungible ex- exchanges, even if we're not thinking about it. So a fungible exchange is if I gave you a $10 bill and you gave me two fives back. That's fungible because the investment or the actual amount is the exact same. It's just in a slightly different form of 110 versus two $5 bills. And then the token, so the non-fungible part of an NFT is the value could go up or down. Ideally, you want an NFT's value to go up. Go to the moon, um, but so that's like if you buy a painting for your house, or even this map. This isn't a very valuable map that's actually in my house. Uh, for people listening, I'm pointing to a world map that's behind me. But so say I bought this world map for fifty dollars, and artist went off and made a huge name for themselves, and they became this crazy world map artist, and now I can sell this map for. versus I bought it for $50. That's non-fungible because the price, I can exchange it for a higher price. Or, I mean, which is probably the case. (laughs) I don't know who this map artist was, but I you know bought this for $50. If I wanted to resell this, especially in New York, I I might even have to put this on the side of the road or maybe $5 on the Facebook market exchange Um, just because it's non-fungible and you don't always get the same investment that you put into it back. And hopefully you get, higher investment.
0: It's not a good that you purchase for $50 and it always retains its $50 value.
1: Correct. Yeah. So NFTs do not always retain the exact value. So they could go to the moon or they could bottom out and be worth nothing. So then the token aspect of an NFT, and this is how it lives on the blockchain. That's kind of what we were talking about before. So the token is the contract piece of the NFT. And that's how it's actually appended onto the blockchain. So that's kind of like the birth certificate of the art, the digital art that you made. It has to be in a token to live on the blockchain. So that's the NFT.
0: And that process is called minting,
1: correct? Yes. Tell us about what minting and gas fees are. Sure. So minting is when you're actually getting your NFT up onto the blockchain because before that, and I export my... Uh, NFTs as PNG. So prior to minting my NFTs, they are just digital art. At the end of the day, they're a PNG that I made in Procreate that I exported. And then I used a marketplace called Solsi to mint my NFTs. Very, very simple process. It's almost like um, back in the day, I'm 29 years old when I was creating these like crazy big facebook photo albums and uploading all my pictures onto facebook and every single picture needed a caption and the album needed a name so it's a little bit more intense than that you go through the process of minting where it's as simple as just dragging and dropping your file choosing the like thumbnail picture that will show up on solsi and then you go through all the credentials so a little bit more intense than a facebook photo album but you name your nft you create licensing for your NFT. So that's how when people purchase my NFT, I create the licensing of how they'll be able to use it. So I do public display, non-commercial. So that means anyone could print out my NFT to make on a personal t-shirt, or you can make a gift card with my NFTs and you could give, um, a gift card, but a card yeah, for birthday. a birthday and you could give greeting card. Um, you can make a poster, but what you can't do, you can't sell the image of my NFTs. Uh-huh. So you can, uh-huh. Yes. So that's my licensing. But with Bored Apes, if you're an ape holder, like Adidas has an ape and they can put their apes on whatever shoe they want. Um, Interesting. so they have public display commercial rights, and then there will actually even be, I think it's in the works now. You could audition your ape for a TV show. Yes. So you could have all these apes that I guess are going to be getting together for this TV show. And you're auditioning your NFT and getting ahead of myself with some of the utility that comes along. But Uh some of these bigger projects, it is valuable to have commercial rights. But for my smaller project, if I ever want to make merch or if I ever want to sell posters, I only want to be the one to have those rights.
0: It's the same thing with me. Yeah. It's the same Mm -hmm. as being a logo designer. It's the same as being a logo designer by working with me. You're not actually owning the intellectual property of the logo. You're, you're buying a license. I'm creating it for you, but you're buying the license to be able to use on behalf of your brand. But that does not prohibit me, the creator from putting it on my website, putting it on my social, doing because that's, that's our arrangement. If you want to buy the rights of your logo and the intellectual property of your logo, that's a separate fee. That's something else. Mm-hmm. So that kind of protects me as the artist, like it does for you, but it also gives my clients the flexibility to do what they want. The thing that I think people are mistaking with NFTs is why something would want to exist as an NFT, but not a digital product. So as we know with the internet girl boss mania, everybody's like yeah. multiple streams of income, make an ebook, like and everybody went nuts because you make mm-hmm. the thing once and you sell it a bajillion times. NFTs are the opposite of that. You make it once, mm-hmm. you sell it once because there is only one. So if you're on a mm-hmm. digital product business plan, then NFTs, this is not going to be to your benefit, correct?
1: Mhm and that where that is where royalties come into play mm-hmm. as well. So as we're minting we're setting up licensing and we're also setting up royalties. So when I set up royalties for my NFTs, the NFTs that I sold in my first batch, I set up royalties for 10%. So my NFTs I make once. Personally from me, I only sell one once, but then when you buy an NFT, you're a holder of that NFT. So it's kind of like being a collector, but in our lingo, we say holders. So my holder or any holder can flip another NFT lingo. Flip means resell. Mm -hmm. So I sold my NFTs. Um, The price point was between 25 USD and 175 USD. And at the time, I think 175 USD was one sold. So that was my Mm -hmm. max. And Mm -hmm. then maybe it was like, Point thirteen, sold was twenty five USD at the time when I sold back in December. So that was my floor price. The floor price is always going to be the lowest price of a project. Um, so my holders purchased my NFTs, and I sold out within three days. So I sold thirty three NFTs in three days, which was amazing and great. And you know, I you know I'm no Bebel, uh, right? <laughs> but it was a pretty cool process to see art that I made. And it was the first time I had ever sold art as well. But now my holders, it's up to them if they want to flip and resell these NFTs or hold it. So when they flip, I benefit and I'll continue to benefit for the rest of my life because of the 10% royalty that I appended to my NFTs. So right now I was just checking before this podcast, I have two NFTs up on the secondary market that holders have listed the top price being um, five soul, and I think uh, if I'm, I recently did this conversion, but the last time I checked, it was around five hundred and fifty three dollars was um, what it was going for. So it hasn't sold yet, but that's exciting that yeah. you know someone purchased an NFT of mine and they have faith enough in me to get to right. that price point for them to resell.
0: Because this is exactly the, this is an opportunity for artists to make money in perpetuity. So Mm -hmm. this is such an opportunity for artists that has not existed because like perfect example, I bought this painting behind me for 500 bucks from the winery that I go to with my friends. This guy's crushing it. He has a show. Let's say he gets picked up by a museum. Let's say his show, his work gets sold all over the world in 10 Mm -hmm. years. Could this be worth way more than 500 bucks? Yeah. Am I going to, if I decide to sell it, do I pocket the cash? Absolutely. Do I owe the artist anything? On this, in the physical world, no. But if this were minted Mm -hmm. as an NFT in the same scenario, that artist is guaranteeing that they're getting some kind of payout because at the end of the day, it's their thing that they created. And that Mm -hmm. I love. Talk about passive income. Yes.
1: Oh, I know. I love that so much. And then also, so you probably bought that painting more direct from the artists at the winery. But also galleries Mm. take so Mm -hmm. much money from artists. Mm -hmm. And Listen, I'm a marketer too. I work at an ad agency. That's my nine to five. And marketing and networking is hard work. So I know everyone has to get their bag, but artists are creative people in general, I feel like are so undervalued, but in the grand scheme of things, it seems like there are less creative minds and people want to consume creativity more than it's produced. And like music, we're, you know, we're paying a $10 subscription on Spotify and you listen to your favorite songs way more than you watch your favorite movies. And yet movie stars are, you know, making more royalties than singer songwriters. And I think the music industry is about to be hugely impacted by music NFTs, which I'm so excited for because artists deserve to get their bags. Totally totally it's
0: yeah and i think that that's the big there's this it, because it goes against the artist stigma right the artist stigma is like if you have a creative skill set that you were quote unquote born with which we can talk about why that's a little bit bullshit too but if you're a creative <laughs> person for someone that's not creative that feels like you have the upper hand. And so therefore you should not charge people for your art because this is your natural God-given gift, mm, right? And that if mm-hmm. you do, you're a sellout. And I have never subscribed to that philosophy. I was a fine art major and I literally was like, okay, so how can we sell tickets to this thing? Like, how? Can I? Yeah. I was always trying to find ways to be like, so how are we going to monetize? Because that, mm-hmm. the game of that is way more fun to me um, because the inherent value of creating something something for someone else to enjoy was so there already. Um, So tell us about, before we get into like the branding, marketing, entrepreneurship questions that we do on every podcast episode, tell us about your collections and your sweet spot, what you enjoy creating and minting as NFTs.
1: Yeah, definitely. So right now I have only released my Electra Ladies collection and it was a figure drawing that I actually did back in 2015 when I was studying abroad in Rome I you abroad right in Rome. Oh, my God. John in Cabot 2013. University. Yes, oh, John same. Cabot University. Okay, I was fall 2013.
0: I was fall 2013. Where did you live? Okay, I lived in Trastevere. I lived in Trastevere. <laughs> <laughs> Piazza okay, Trilusa.
1: On, yeah, Piazza really... Trilusa.
0: Go to G-Bar. Here we go Dar I was a bar back at G-Bar. Yes. I was like for funsies. This is what my roommates and I thought was going to be funny was like, oh yeah, we'll stand behind your bar and wash the dishes so we can be like bar girls. Ridiculous. Like I am not a going out person. This was like against every fiber of my being, but we got really close to the guys from G bar because one of my roommates was hooking up with his brother.
1: No way.
0: Funny. You know, I don't know an even funnier story. <laughs> the photographer that I just hired to do a shoot last week for my two weeks ago for my client. I know mm-hmm. her through a... Through my best friend from high school, who met her through her friend at Cal Poly, who stayed lived in my exact room on study abroad the year before.
1: Oh, and my she was gosh. the roommate,
0: and we just put that together that we all lived in the same apartment one year apart, went to John uh-huh. Cabot in study abroad
1: in Rome. Small world, funny, super small. Oh my gosh, good old G So We throwback. gotta make some, yeah, some like G bar NFTs. Uh-huh, that's uh-huh. that's. Okay, so your nice figure,
0: figure drawing in Rome. We're both there at the same time. Yes, hilarious. That's we're great. there at the
1: same time. Wow, this is incredible. It's all coming full circle. It really does.
0: Yep. This is it a. Is. This is the simulation getting really lazy.
1: <laughs> it is. Yes. This is simulation oh
0: theory. God. Like someone's phoning it in today. They're like, oh, yes. We're just going to put these two, like two girls that lived at... in the same place on <laughs> <in> the same <laughs> podcast.
1: Bring them back to John Gabby University. Funny. Yes. That's good
0: stuff. Oh. Okay. So yes. you're figure drawing and you're like, these are going to live a second mm-hmm. life now as NFTs. Yes.
1: Yes. So actually, if you go all the way back to my very first TikTok, I started making this little cartoon character and I I was working in parallel of figuring things out and then also making TikToks. So as I was making TikToks, people were there as I mm-hmm. was learning so I also not truly understanding NFTs at the time or how to be a one-on-one artist in a space, I started making these kind of cartoon characters and they were inspired and they looked very similar to Princess Bubblegum from Adventure Time, which is a TV show. And I made a whole collection. It was still a smaller collection. It was about 50 of these little cartoon, almost PFPs, and PFP means Profile picture. So that's what a Bored Apes is or Crypto Punks is or Alpha Girl Club. And I thought everyone was just making these little PFP profile pictures. That's just kind of from the shoulders up mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of style. Come to find out, and if individual NFT artists, just about anything can be an NFT, a photo can be an NFT, you know, it doesn't have to be this little cartoony PFP. And I was also learning about copyright infringement in the NFT space because the lines were kind of blurry and there are still a lot of derivative projects in this space. But um, like there was a um, Birkin bag NFT, which uh, I forget what the project was called, but it was essentially like digitalized Birkin bags and Birkin is now trying to sue them. Yeah. Um, And I did not want to get slapped with copyright infringement from this TV show. So then I was kind of just looking up because my figure drawing is hanging right over my desk. Mm -hmm. So as I'm learning about copyright infringement, I kind of look up at my figure drawing and think, I could probably make that into an NFT. And I had been using this really janky free software for my (laughs) my cartoons. And um, I turned to my roommate who had an iPad and an apple pen. And I asked if I could borrow his apple pen and very graciously said, sure. And then he went out one night and I was playing around with Procreate and took an edible. He came back and I had like banged out a ton of- An entire collection. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. An entire collection of electric ladies. I remember him sitting down and being like, uh, these are really good. <laughs> Great. <laughs> me just saying, yeah, these are really good. I'm going to sell these. And- there you Here go. OK, yeah. maybe this is a silly question, but
0: I know someone who's listening to the podcast is answering it. Once you buy an NFT, what do you do with it?
1: Yeah, sure. So my NFTs, they, when you buy an NFT, they live in your wallet. So I'm on the Solana blockchain. So I have a Solana wallet. That's a software wallet, but you should definitely get a hardware wallet like a ledger. Um, so they live in your wallets and you can look at them. If you're on Solsi, you get a bigger view than when they're in just your wallets. So you can go through your collection there. Um, but so back to whether or not you have any licensing rights. So people can print out my NFTs. They can make a t-shirt out of them. They could essentially make whatever they want with my NFTs, with whatever tools the individual has. So I, am. An individual artist, I'm still carving out if there will be any utility behind my NFTs. So right now, the utility is me, essentially, mm-hmm. because I'm the artist and I'm making a name for myself on TikTok. I'm growing on TikTok. I'm growing on Twitter. So as a content creator, people are seeing you know a spark of success in me. Mm-hmm. So they buy my NFTs and they can flip my NFTs. So my NFTs are really the utility is the investment of me and the investment you can get back for yourself by flipping and selling the NFT. Mm -hmm. but And I just don't have the bandwidth right now to create any utility behind my NFTs. It might be something in the future and with collaborations as I network in the space. But um, utility can be in a utility that I have thought of that I just don't have the bandwidth. But if you are a holder of an Electrolady, a utility of my NFT, if I make it in the future, this is still hypothetical, Mm -hmm. um, like people could have one-on-one consultations with me. Right. So we could hop on the phone. They get direct access to me because they hold an NFT. And nobody else would be able to get a one-on-one consultation with me. Only the 33 people who, well, there are more out there because um, I did an airdrop, which an airdrop is when you reward your holders or you want to gift someone an nft so uh-huh. essentially to incentivize people and to say thank you for purchasing my nfts i minted i minted maybe 12 more nfts so i went through the process on solsea to get you know 12 more nfts up on the blockchain And I randomly, because of blockchain technology, I have all of the wallet addresses of people who purchase my NFTs. So I was randomly able to airdrop, very similar to when you airdrop photos from your phone, I'm airdropping NFTs into holders' wallets. Wallets. Cool. Yes. Cool. And with that airdrop, back to royalties, because I still had to pay the minting fees. So every time you mint an NFT, there are gas fees. So on Solana and using Solsea the gas fees were super low per NFT, maybe ran me about 2 to $4 per Easy. NFT. Easy. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to set for the airdropped NFTs. We're going to bump up the royalties to 15%. Which, right, and I'm this like, makes Apple. sense
0: that the artist would incur the fee to get the thing on the thing instead mm-hmm. of the the hosting. So, like, let's compare this to like Etsy, for example. Etsy is yep. going to slice off a percentage when you make a sale. I would rather pay Etsy up front. Here's five bucks to put my thing on your website, and then don't ever charge me again. Mm-hmm. That makes more sense because then, as the artist, you're budgeting for that expense of getting your thing out there to then have it run and then with the potential to earn commission on it. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's so, it makes things so easy for the artists Yeah, and you know, it's this passive income that we've been talking about and it's, yeah, I think people are intimidated, intimidated of what is a blockchain? How do I even get my art on the blockchain? Mm -hmm. And you can totally collaborate with a developer and make your own minting site. Mm. And instead of using a Solsi, what this is what I used, or an OpenSea, which is a marketplace, those marketplaces make the process so easy mm-hmm. because I, myself, even with speaking about Web2, I don't know how to make a website from scratch or, you mm-hmm.
0: know,
1: mm-hmm. code something to become a website. So I would need a developer if mm. I wanted to make... Brooklyn NFTs regular site and I would need a Web3 developer if I wanted to start making my own smart contracts, which is on my list to learn, uh, watch YouTube videos on how to make smart contracts um, because at the end of the day, marketplaces like Solsi and OpenSea, yes, they're Web3, but they are still centralized to some degree. So Solsi Blurs out my NFTs because it's a figure drawing and I said it was not safe for work and she's naked. So we got a boob in there. Uh, But Solsi one day could decide absolutely no nudity. We don't want any nudity on our marketplace. Solsi, technically, it wouldn't be very Web3 of them. No, but if those are their community guidelines, those are their community Mm -hmm. guidelines. Yeah. Yep. So... That's still centralized. That's not decentralized. Mm. But if I had my own minting site and if I either had the skills of a developer or I worked very closely with a developer to make a mint site, make my own smart contracts, never have to worry about any regulations shutdown like the
0: The mm-hmm. disadvantage would be then you have to drive your traffic to that site that people may mm-hmm. be less inclined to buy because you're not on the established platform. So pros yes. and cons,
1: right? Pros and cons. Yep. And that brings up a good point because the NFT space is super volatile. Mm-hmm. So there are fake minting sites. And I know that's why a lot of people are still hesitant to get into the space of they hear about all these big scams. Um, people have even made fake marketplaces. So when you're going on Solsea, or when you're going on OpenSea, double checking, make Your sure URL. Yeah. that the URL is just the clean solsea.io or OpenSea.io. And there's nothing funky going on. In that marketplace, because people are getting very smart about their scams.
0: Yeah. And that's, I guess, another big fear about it being decentralized Mm -hmm. is then who takes the initiative on solving scam problems when they're scam problems? If mm-hmm. there's a bot on Instagram, you can report it. And Instagram says that they're going to take care of it. But who knows? I think it just goes into yeah. a bottomless uh, service request pit. <laughs> same on but, TikTok. But same with TikTok, right? But if nobody is the governing body of the thing, then how, whose job
1: is it to police that space? That feels kind of scary too. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're all at the very beginning of. And that's why we're still seeing centralized aspects of web 2 get carried into web 3 there's it doesn't seem like as a whole web 3 is not and this is a personal opinion but as a whole it's all web 3 is not currently decentralized like sure all everyone who's hanging out in web 3 we love twitter we're talking at each other on twitter all day long twitter is a centralized social media platform we're on twsie we're on opensea uh, we're on foundation, still kind of centralized marketplaces. But yes, we're selling, it's weird to call an NFT a Web3 product, but yeah, let's say we're yeah. selling Web3 products. So there's a, there's still an, a big integration of Web2 practices in Web3, and there's going to be a lot to solve to your point of who is this authoritative or governing voice, but also does there need That's to be why one? Web three, yeah, and uh-huh. it's like we created Web three to kind of, you know, fuck the power. Yeah, um, sorry, I can't say
0: that. You're, on the you podcast. can say whatever oh. you want. It's called kiss my aesthetic. Like, come on, we're not, we're not going to be too tight-lipped.
1: Amazing. You can oh, say yeah. anything I you swear, want. Yeah, I swear all the time Same. in uh, Twitter Spaces, and sometimes like kids pop into these Whoops. spaces, and I'm like, I'm not kid friendly in these Twitter Spaces. Yeah, no, but, you're safe yeah. here.
0: You're totally safe here. But yeah, Amazing. I think you're you're saying something like. The way I envision it is we have one foot in each, right? You've got one foot Mm -hmm. in web two, one foot in web three, and it's not like someone's going to flip a light switch and everyone's going to switch over. That's not going to happen. And what Mm -mm. I have to keep telling my friends who aren't in this like future oriented, I keep telling them too, like if you don't like the internet and you're a dystopian about technology, you're going to have a really bad time in this conversation. (laughs) Like you have to see it for the potential and you have to be somewhat optimistic going into the the potential and the power and the opportunity. And like me as like capitalist to my core, like, which I really am. Like I love an opportunity. Um, and I love an opportunity to help people make a living doing what they like. So for me, my gears get spinning a million miles an hour. Today's episode is brought to you by the kiss my loops video training. That's right. I created an entire TikTok training for creative entrepreneurs that teaches them how to set up optimize, and get around TikTok so you can create content that best engages with your ideal client on TikTok, because believe me, they're on there. And if you listen to today's episode, you know what a powerhouse TikTok can be. So go ahead and check out today's show notes at mkwcreative.co slash pod. Click on the episode and you'll get the link exactly to the Kiss My Loops training. I hope you learn a lot. If you do, be sure to message me, tag me on Instagram, uh, tag me on everything and enjoy the training. I think it's really interesting, but I, I think we're, we're between those two things, right? And a lot of what you talk about on your TikTok account is like building a community and building an audience around mm-hmm. yourself as a creator. So like through your yeah. socials, through your Discord channel, through your these airdrops, like tell us a little bit about that and how that helps then bolster your existence in the in the soul see minting of collections
1: definitely and i love to think about it and i use a lot of real world application analyses in my TikToks. and i've heard this somewhere it was you know most likely from gary v of web 3 mirrors society and it you know mirrors the reality that we're in and why should people want to participate in Web3, want to join these communities in the first place? And it's just at the core of how we interact with each other. It feels so good to be a part of a club. Like it feels so good whenever you feel like I found my people like, oh, I started a pottery class. I love everyone who joined a pottery class or, you know, I got a dog. And now I get to hang out with all the people at the dog park. We love feeling connected with each other. And like, we have a little club. And also, you know, when we're talking to our best friends, we have our own, you know, little languages or little lingo and our inside jokes and web three, we totally have our own language in web three. So I think people are getting really excited about it because once you open that door and you kind of, Poke your head into like Twitter was my kind of big eye opener of oh my gosh, this isn't just one blanket. Like Web3, everyone in Web3 is the same, but there are these micro communities. I'm in a community called the psychedelic sloths. They're NFTs that part of the utility and part of something they stand for is using psychedelic drugs as healing. Um, And at the time when I found the psychedelic sloths, I had you know, was still dealing with a ton of grief from losing my partner last fall. Um, and they were this community that just like immediately rallied behind me and everyone is sharing their story. Um, and it was an awesome feeling to have like all these strangers who just like immediately were there for me and sharing stories and, you know, grief management and like psychedelic healing. And that was amazing. And then I'm part of, actually, I'm wearing the sweatshirt, this group called Boys Club. And it's a play on words of like, you know, women historically uh-huh. have been like kept out of the Boys Club and like these financial conversations. And now uh, this is a female-led organization called Boys Club. So it's Love that. like kitschy and it's cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's just all these smart women. And then Men who are very supportive of like lifting women up in Web3 can also join as well. So then, my community, the little rock stars, that's what I like to call my Discord. It's a lot of people who are just learning and getting into this space. So I like to break things down for people. You know, right. I like to right. have fun
0: in my Discord. It goes back to human psychology and branding, mm-hmm. right? Like, I was just oh, at the mall yeah. with my mom and she goes, It's crazy that every pair of shoes is just a giant ass logo now. Like you want Mm -hmm. Tory Burke shoes, it's a logo. You want Gucci shoes, it's a logo. You want Prada shoes, it's a logo. Like everything is a logo. And I said, because we're so conditioned now that that wearing a brand is a commentary on what you believe as a person. It's a marking, it's an outward symbol. It's saying not only, and in luxury goods, it's not only can I afford this thing, but I wear it with a sense of pride. Because if you also value this, we already have a base level, something in common. And like, if that's good, bad, I don't know, but that's the business I'm in with building brands, right? We mm-hmm. want to paint a picture of what it's like to own a hotel lobby candle, or what it's like to work with this specific business owner or this coach or to buy you know, a home from this realtor because we're, we're painting a picture of what that, that group is, not in a mm-hmm. way to be exclusive, but as a way to create a base level understanding of like the people that belong to this in-group have this commonality without ever even speaking to each other. It's that like it's, tribal yeah. mentality, which is, is interesting. It's so fascinating because now thanks to, of course, the internet, we can do things like this. Like the fact that I could find you on TikTok and we already have something in common. And then of course, like it's not that big of a stretch that we studied abroad in the same place. Right? Yeah. Because Rome attracts a certain type of person in fall 2013. Mm-hmm. We're around the same age. <laughs> like this is like, you know, it's weird, but it's also if we look at all of the data points, like this isn't a shock that people who have similar interests do similar things. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh yeah. And I could very easily to anyone asking why why should I buy your NFTs or why should I I buy a NFT? It's like, I'm sure you have a closet full of clothes. Why are you going to buy a new sweatshirt? Why are you going to buy new shoes? And it's When we think of real world applications of what are motivators to buy anything, being, you know, having this group of shared interest where the likability of, you know, you can connect with someone right off the bat because of a logo. It is so interesting. Oh my gosh. I was a psych minor in school too. And then big Malcolm Gladwell fan, love his books. So it's, yeah, it's people are consuming things in web three almost the same as not even just Web 2, but just how we go about our day-to-day lives. You
0: bring up how everything that's happening in Web 3 is kind of even more of a reflection of what happens in real life. And I had a client come to me a few weeks ago saying she's working with a brand to create an NFT collection that functions with utility the way that you would enter a raffle. So if you're going to an event, for example, and let's say it's like golf clubs, right? And you buy a Mm -hmm. raffle ticket. The more raffle tickets you buy, the higher chance you have of winning the golf clubs. Raffle tickets are five bucks, let's say, right? So I can buy one ticket for five bucks or I could buy 10 tickets for 50 bucks. And now I just upped my chances to get the golf clubs. But she's Mm -hmm. doing this on like a way bigger scale. And her plan is to sell like seven to 10,000 of these tickets. And then that, the money that she would gross on the sale of the tickets then covers the cost of the item, mm-hmm. with the items getting donated. So now she's making a profit on the difference and all of the social cachet and all of the visibility. And now because they're NFTs, the more buzz about this particular raffle, the more people can start to up the price and flip their tickets before mm-hmm. the giveaway gets decided. Before yeah. that ticket gets taken, right? So think about that. Think I think about that for the nonprofit space. Oh, like, it's so cool. It, that potential is fascinating. So now it's also a thing of like understanding your customer and this, you know, this potential. My sister's a wedding planner. I know I say this on practically mm-hmm. every podcast, but it's so much easier for me to think <laughs> of ideas for other people's businesses than for my own. And for her business specifically, we're thinking about how does she long out the sales potential from when someone gets engaged to their wedding day? Right. Mm. And how, do, how do you bring wedding planning to the NFT space? Cause like, that's not really a logical translation. First we we're like, yeah. well maybe, maybe you NFT their first kiss and then that's, you mint huh. it to them and you give it to them. Or like, yeah, but who would ever want to buy or sell somebody else's like wedding first kiss unless that person yeah. gets crazy famous. Right. Not really right. plausible. Now she's working on kind of growing this community group And I said, what if your NFT was like an access card? And when you purchase it, you're not purchasing it for the art, but you're purchasing it for the utility, like you said, to get an extra one-on-one call, to get access to events, to get access to merch, to get access to all these other benefits where by the time you get married, it's not really a value to you, but you Mm -hmm. can sell it to the next girl you know that just got engaged. Yes. And now that value of that membership Just like an Amex, Mm -hmm. just like a Costco card, just like anything else. The more popular my sister gets as a planner, the more the value of that particular membership could be. Mm Mm-hmm. There's so many, it literally makes my brain explode. And my sister's getting so mad at me. She's like, I have to stop talking about this. She's like, I can't even go there right now because there's a lot of steps that need to happen, right? So this yeah, is very like pie in the sky, but it really doesn't seem that far off because those examples exist in real mm-hmm. life, right? You're a member of a country club that country club gets more exclusive and you find out that your favorite celebrity is now a member of said country club. Now, all of a sudden, that country club membership looks way more attractive because you're going to be rubbing elbows with Oprah, right? So like- Oh, yeah. There is that kind of up and down value where it makes sense that the person who no longer sees value in the tickets can turn around and sell them and say, hey, yeah, here you go, you know, and turn them up. But also that that company is still getting profit.
1: Yes, I love what you said about it being like a Costco totally and i'm like oh my god nfts are the costco cards of the internet Uh i love Uh that Uh that is so the difference being
0: though of course that like it's costco's it would be to costco's advantage to sell as many costco cards as possible but Mm -hmm. i think in this example you only sell 20 there's only 20 ever in circulation it's a little more exclusive it's more of like a Going to the Masters, or I don't know if Soho House like has a cap on how many people can be in Soho House, but like that kind of idea, right? So mm-hmm. where exclusivity is an asset, um, where I think is it's so eye opening coming out of like like we said, like Girl Boss era, passive income, sell as many digital things as you can possibly sell. It's refreshing that something mm-hmm. could be a collectible, could be a one of one copy, could be rare. Um, And I think that the more stuff, content that gets made on the internet, the more that's going to be valuable. Definitely.
1: And I, I'm so excited for content creators and NFTs. And I think TikTok also value, highly values community. You highly value your followers on TikTok and When you find a TikToker who you love and you start following them when they have a few tens of thousands of followers, you feel like, or even if you catch them at like a few hundred followers, you feel like you're on the journey with them right from the start and you feel so invested in them. And then once they hit a million or hundreds of thousands of followers, you feel proud. Oh, I've been following them from the start. I remember when they used to do this, or I remember X, Y, and Z. And it's kind of similar to me. I made this example on a TikTok, but it's like, okay, great. Every, the 33 people who invested in me. And at the time I had 20,000 followers on TikTok Mm -hmm. and sold 33 NFTs and now you know even just checking before this podcast of if any NFTs had sold that's an investment that my followers get back yes so not only do they have bragging rights of oh I started following Katie at the very beginning of her journey it's like those 33 holders have the first NFTs that I ever put out they're gonna live on the blockchain forever because of blockchain technology. You can see if you're, you know, what date you purchased your NFT, how early you got mm-hmm. this NFT, and they can continue flipping it if they so choose. And I have one holder who has four or five Electro Ladies. That's what we call a whale when they come in and kind of sweep, do a sweep of a collection, and so he can he can flip NFTs if they're like going really high or he can hold a few he can do a giveaway of one if he wants uh, but yeah it's really special and if more creators especially early on started making nfts it's a, a way that creators can profit and then yep. their followers can profit it's a hipster's
0: yeah. wet dream.
1: It's a hipster's wet dream.
0: Because <laughs> is, imagine really imagine this existed in 2013 where like you heard a band before mm-hmm. anybody else heard a band. And because you went to their first concert, you got gifted an NFT. And now that first yep. concert, there were only you know 100 people there. And now those NFTs from that very first concert drop are worth eight times the amount of money. And because yes. you recognize talent before anyone else, you're actually getting financially rewarded for scouting good creatives. Mm-hmm. that's what it is. Like that's, yeah. that potential is so cool. Like that gets me fired up because it just makes me want to create stuff. And I think if you're mm-hmm. create create, and if you're consumer consume and like freaking go all in on the people that you see, yes. you see making it big and like you can actually make money doing that. Like that rewards yeah. that type of behavior. It's so oh, cool. It does. It's so cool. I know
1: it's so cool. And it's like, we, we, we see these creators get big and they'll start a clothing line or they'll start their own makeup line. And if you're a holder of that NFT, maybe you get first access or maybe there's a t-shirt of the clothing line that only NFT holders get. Mm -hmm. And then that goes back to the feeling of like, being recognized, invested in this. I'm recognized as this exclusive holder. Yeah. Everyone else can go out and buy a different t-shirt, but this is the t-shirt that I have because I hold the NFT.
0: And it democratizes the ownership experience, right? It kind of brings mm-hmm. it back down a level. Now it's not that you can only talk one-on-one with your favorite artist or your favorite musician or whatever when you've reached this echelon. You're only getting invited to their after party if you're someone of influence. Now it's like you're rewarding the people that well, you don't give a crap about their influence. You give a crap that mm-hmm. they were invested in you from day one. And that those yeah. are the people that you're going to celebrate. And I think that's such a beautiful sentiment to like, brands and how to grow a brand over time
1: by keeping those good people close to the best. Mm -hmm. Right? Definitely. Yes. It's all about community building. And like, I see the parallels of web three and TikTok, even though TikTok is web two, but TikTok has just risen as such an influential platform. And it almost brings back the American dream of Anyone could make it. You could be an overnight star with a viral video mm-hmm. and have thousands of followers all of a sudden lining up to follow you on TikTok. And I feel like it really excites people. Mm-hmm. Of the possibilities are endless on TikTok. And then for brands too, and brands are recognizing that oh, instead of getting Timothy Charlemagne to rep our gear. We should be getting this influencer who has this community who trusts them. The guy that
0: loves trains doing the Gucci oh, campaign? The Gucci? Are you kidding I me? Love Are you kidding obsessed. me? I loved everything about that. I was like, "Yes, that is exactly <laughs> right? it." That's the stuff that people who have cheered that guy on and me being a consumer of his content watching him watch trains go by, I'm like, "Yeah, you get that Gucci money."
1: Yes. Get that Gucci money. Absolutely. Get the Gucci money. We love to see our favorite creators win. Totally. And I think that's another struggle with creators who are really big and kind of similar to what we were talking to of, you know, who are the people who are going to be listening to the podcast? Why, why maybe they haven't, you know, dove headfirst into NFTs before. And it's really educating people. And I think it's doing so in a way where NFTs are going to get brands to win. They're going to get creators to win. They're going to get artists to win. And it's, you have to celebrate these wins with yeah. NFTs, yeah. and it's a really exciting way that is beneficial. It's just this full, like, full loop that never ends yep. of just giving back. Yep.
0: Oh, I love everything about this conversation. It gets me so fired so up. Good. I get so excited. I know. Um, I'm for, so excited. For anyone, for the sake of time, because otherwise we'll go on forever. <laughs> um, where can everyone find, follow, connect with you? Where can they buy your NFTs? See your NFTs? Uh, where can they go for more info?
1: Yes. So my TikTok is brooklyn.nfts. My Twitter is brooklyn underscore nfts. Um, link in my TikTok bio to my Discord if you want to join Little Rockstars where I'm chatting directly with everyone. Discord is kind of like a big group chat with channels. So we have a chat, general chat, NFT talking resources, Um my NFTs, the collection is called ElectroLadies. It is on Solsi, solsi.io. And yeah, I think that's it. I'm also on LinkedIn. I actually kind of love Web3 LinkedIn. So I am Katie Langhammer on LinkedIn. If you want to find me there, uh, I post a lot of cool articles that I find and have some conversations with other Web3 professionals in the space. Love it, love it, love it. Oh my gosh.
0: I can't wait to even just use this episode as a time capsule for like a year from now. We'll have to do a Where (laughs) Are They Now episode, right? And be like, remember when we were just even just telling people what it means to like be on the bot? Like just to see how far this conversation is going to go in a year is going to be so incredible. So incredible. I know.
1: And it's probably going to be completely different because developers haven't even, you going back to saying like, I know 0.001% of Web3. We've barely even discovered things that, you know, applications that can live on web three. Like Absolutely. I'm so excited. I get so fired up too. I know we didn't talk about it too much, but I have a few developer friends that I talked to on Twitter and the things that developers are going to be able to build. Like I, I need to wrap my head around how oh my to make my own smart contracts, but these yes. developers can go.
0: You'll have to connect me with some of them and, so I can have yes. them on the podcast. So I can just do exactly <gasps> yes. what we just did, which is just have a conversation about it and just get excited and get fired up creatively and, now I know what I'm doing with my afternoon, and so I'm be researching all this stuff.
1: Absolutely, yeah. thank you so
0: much, Katie. And if you enjoyed today's episode, guys, don't forget to screenshot it, share it on your socials, put it on your TikTok stories. Maybe try that. I'm curious Ooh. about this TikTok stories thing. Um, but don't forget to tag us; we'd love to see it and uh, chat with you there. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash KMA We'll catch you next time.